We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us in crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us to ex- as Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, hallelujah, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. And they brought him up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the theme for Real Life Community Church in 2017 is treasuring Christ together. Real followers of Jesus value Jesus Christ above all things. And so our aim here as a church is to remember that. And as a community, we want to seek and to savor the infinite beauty and worth of Jesus Christ. And one of the greatest ways to know the genuineness of a person's faith, to see if Christ is indeed their treasure, is to watch them under pressure. See, people are, are great at playing Christianity, aren't they? I mean, multitudes of individuals are filling a church pews today, and they can speak what we call the Christianese language. How many know some religious people that can talk some Bible? They can even quote scripture. And they can use the big words and define them sanctification and justification and so on and so forth. They can convince you that they love Christ and that they treasure Christ, but... Have some adverse circumstances show up at their doorstep. And watch how they respond under pressure. It's telling. Matthew Henry, I quoted this on Wednesday when we were in James. He said, think of yourself 
as a tube of spiritual toothpaste. Pressure brings out what's really on the inside. If you had this experience, you thought you were doing well and put some pressure on your life and you realize, man, there's still some things that need to be worked on in my life. The Apostle Paul is someone, as we know, who treasure Christ above all things. It's Paul who says in Philippians 3.8, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, He treasures Christ more than possessions or money and more than any earthly relationship or earthly thing. He treasures Jesus even more than His own life. It's Paul who said uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so in Acts 16, Paul is embarking now on his second missionary journey. He is now in Macedonia, which is the northern and central parts of what we know as modern day Greece. And he is there in response to a vision that the Lord had given him. Now I want you to understand this. I want you to kind of log that because that's going to be significant as we study this text. And so Paul and Silas go to this Macedonian city of Philippi to minister And in finding no synagogue to attend, Paul makes his way to the next best thing, a group of praying women. And he finds this prayer group outside of the city. And and one of the women there, a a businesswoman by the name of Lydia, receives the gospel. Paul preaches Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him risen. And Lydia's heart is opened by the Lord and she gets saved along with her entire household. So here's what I want you to see, that Paul and Silas, uh, along with Luke and Timothy, they're walking in the will of the Lord. But here's the first truth I want you to note today. Even when we walk in obedience to the Lord, pressure is inevitable. You may good and well be in the will of God. You may really be committed to doing the work of the Lord And yet this does not in any way, shape, or form make you immune to trouble. It's amazing how many Christians are shocked when trouble comes their way. And they say things like this to me, Pastor, I don't understand. I'm serving at church. I'm giving. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing the love of God with people. I'm generous. I'm trying to walk in righteousness. I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm doing the best I can. And I said, that doesn't make you immune to trouble. It makes sense. That might be the cause. That might be the reason you're going through some trouble. How many know we have a real adversary? Peter said this. He said, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though something strange has happened to you. I think... The early Christians had the same issue that we have. They're surprised when trouble comes their way. But didn't Jesus say, in this world, you will have tribulation? Paul and Silas are doing exactly what the Lord has called them to do. Lydia and her household have just been saved. The gospel has now made its way into Europe. But watch out, because trouble's coming. Immediately, Satan begins to try and hinder the work of Paul and Silas. And he uses a demon-possessed girl 
who has made her master's great wealth by fortune telling. As Paul and his team continue to go to this place of prayer, this, this girl is following them and, and she's shouting out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, what is wrong with that? Well, what's the issue here? What, what this girl is saying is true. But see, she's saying it under the influence of demons. Now watch this. The Bible says Paul becomes greatly annoyed. And I love that. Because listen, when you are walking in the power of Jesus, you don't have to fear the enemy. He's just an annoyance. Come on. And it says, it says he's annoyed. Now, this is likely because he does not want people to think that she's one of their ministry partners. You ever have had some people like that in my years of ministry? Like, they're not with me. They're, they're saying the same message, but I don't want you to associate them. You feel me? you got people like that in your life. They're like, you're, they're, they're, they introduce you as their friend, and they're like, well, yeah, we just met. Like, you don't want to identify with them. Paul commands that demon to come out of her in Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And she's delivered. Praise the Lord. Right? Shouldn't everybody be happy? Well, you would think, but instead of celebrating, the girl's owners are upset over their loss of profit. And so, so much so that they bring Paul and Silas before the magistrates and they're stripped, beaten, and thrown into prison. Pressure is inevitable in the life of the believer. There is your reward, Paul and Silas. Way to go. Good job preaching the gospel. Leaving your hometown and going into Macedonia. Going into the city of Philippi and sharing the gospel with Lydia. A whole family has just been saved and the gospel has made its way into Europe. This is excellent. Here's your reward. You're stripped down, you're beaten, and you're thrown in the prison. Pressure is inevitable. Tribulation will come knocking at some point in every one of our doors. But how do we respond if we're really real followers of Jesus to pressure? Number two, the greatest response to pressure is prayer and praise. That's how you respond, right? You just start singing. Yeah? Me too. Most people, even Christians, do not respond in this way. This is radical, but it's biblical. And it will change your life. There are multitudes of people, as you know, who just have a pity party when trouble comes. And they want to invite everybody out to that party. They complain. They grumble. They sing their song, Woe is me. And if this is your response, here's the issue. Your, pro, your, your, your lens is too narrow. Your vision is too narrow. You, you fail to remember that God is at work and that He uses pressure to shape you, to mold you, to help you grow. And if you handle this situation right, it will work out for your benefit in God's glory. I look back, I was talking on Wednesday uh, over two of the worst years of my life, the most troubled years when we moved to Tucson, Arizona. And we were treated so horribly and it was such a dry season, not just because it was the desert, but it was a dry spirit season for us. But I believe that, that I had to go through those things to be able to do effectively what I do today. 
So remember, in the storm, in whatever it is that you're going through right now, that God is up to something if you are a child of His. Look at how Paul and Silas respond to their adverse situation. Verse 25, about midnight. Now, even when I'm at home, I don't feel like singing at midnight. I have trouble staying up past 9.30 anymore. I don't want to admit that, but... About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. See, people who treasure Christ can pray and sing in their darkest hour. Are you with me? Why? This is so freeing. I, I told the men at the halfway house today, I said, you can be freer in here than you ever were on the outside. Because, see, their, their joy, Paul and Silas, their joy, their happiness, their contentment, it's all in Christ. And so you can strip them of their clothes. You can beat them and, and, and take their health. You can take their positions. You can humiliate them. But you can never take their faith. You cannot separate them from Christ. For it's Paul who says in Romans 8, 38, For I'm sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a freeing place to be. When Jesus is your treasure, when you value Him above all things, let the world do what they will. Let people say what they will. But they cannot take your joy. They cannot take your peace. Because those things come from Jesus Christ. Third truth I want to point out here. Those who treasure Christ are not driven by how they feel. I want you to think about Paul and Silas. I I doubt they feel like singing. Are you with me? I I I doubt they feel like singing. They're frustrated. They're tired. They're hurt. They have wounds. Their feet are in stocks. They're hungry. I doubt they feel like praying. I doubt they feel like singing. And I can relate to this because I'm telling you, The last thing my flesh wants to do in the darkest hours of my life is sing or even pray. My flesh fights against those things. But see, real followers of Jesus should not be dictated by the flesh or by feeling. We ought to be dictated by the Word of God and do what the Word says and do what we know is pleasing to the Lord. And that's where victory comes in. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And watch this. The prisoners were listening to them. People are listening to you. They're watching you. They know you go to church. They know you claim to be a Christian. And they're watching you when you are in your darkest hours to see how you respond. And I'm grateful that that Paul and Silas didn't respond probably in the way that they felt like responding they weren't dictated by their feelings. See, see, people who are dictated by their feelings will find themselves isolated, separated from other people. They're annoying because they're up and down, up and down. One minute they're happy and you're their best friend and then all of a sudden something in their mind shifts. And because they're so controlled by their emotions, they lose it on you. 
Those people are frustrating to be around. And if Paul and Silas would have uh, responded in this way, may I suggest that the prisoners would not have been listening to them. They would have been an annoyance. Think about that. People are watching you. And if you want to be effective in leading people to Christ, show in your darkest hour that He is sufficient. That he is more than enough. That I may not have anything else, but they're going to ask you. Those co-workers will say to you, why are you still smiling? Why do you still have joy? And it opens the door for you to tell them about the source of that joy. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. Amen? Amen. So Paul and Silas treasure Christ most. And their response comes from hearts that want to glorify God, not from personal Hasty feelings. See, prayer and praise are two of the most underused commodities in the Christian life. There's power in praise. How many know? I said there's power in praise. And there is power in prayer. The other prisoners must think that Paul and Silas are out of their minds. You can imagine they've just been beaten and thrown into the innermost prison. And they're singing and they're praying. And Paul and Silas, I'll note, don't even know the reason for everything that's happening to them. But here's what they know. I believe they had to know Proverbs chapter 3 that says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct or make straight your path. You may not understand how God's going to work this out. You may not see what He's up to, but I'll tell you this, friend, you can trust in the Lord even when you don't understand. How can they sing at a time like this? I believe they know in some way, shape, or form, help is on the way. And I would encourage somebody today, and matter of fact, help has never left you because He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But your answer is coming. This season will pass. This too shall pass. And Paul and Silas, because they trust in the Lord, experience what we in the Pentecostal church call a suddenly moment. Look at verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Now listen, what what, what were we just reading? They're in prison. Their day has not been going well. Everything has seemed to be against them. But now at midnight... They don't do what their flesh wants to do, but they do what God would call them to do. And they just begin to praise God. And they begin just to to sing and to pray. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, suddenly, there's a great earthquake. See, we wait to pray sometimes. God, if you'll answer me, if it'll work out, then I'll praise you. And often, even in that moment, we forget Him. We forget Him. But I dare somebody today, if you are going through a struggle, I pray, I, I pray that you would dig down deep today and, and, and find the praise deep within yourself that you didn't even know you had. Because the psalmist said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. On the mountain, I'm going to praise Him. In the valley, I'm going to praise Him. Whatever situation you're in, praise Him. The Bible says the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, not this, not just their door, but all the doors were open. And everyone's bonds were fast unfastened. Hallelujah. 
May I suggest to you that your praise and your prayer won't just affect you, but it will affect all the people around you. I told them today at the halfway house, I said, listen, I've seen a couple of you just entering into worship and entering into praise. And if you'll do this, if you'll give God glory in this place, I said, there are going to be men that are in their bunks that are not attending church this morning, that they're going to be delivered today because of your praise. Because of your prayer, it's going to overflow onto them. So nobody may be praising today around you, but if there's one person, I beg you, let praise arise. Pray and sing unto the Lord, even in your darkest hour. See, if we treasure Christ above all things, our mission in life is not to be comfortable, but our aim is to glorify God and to point others to Him. And we see this in the lives of Paul and Silas. So when we respond like this, when we respond to pressure appropriately, lives are changed and God is glorified. I want to take you to verse 27 one more time. When the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice again. If that was us, put yourself in that situation. The jailer who's been unjustly guarding you all night, who's been a thorn in your side, is getting ready to take his life. I know some spiritual folk that would go, well, you reap what you sow. Sick him, God. But that's not the heart of a real follower of Jesus. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Bless those who curse you. So Paul actually saves his life and cries out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself for we are all here. Now, think about that. I asked the men this morning, I said, if you were serving up, let's say, in in Eastern State, in West Liberty, and all of a sudden you began to praise and the whole prison got loose, what would happen? And they said, that place would be empty very quickly. So I want you to see the impact that Paul and Silas has made on their lives. Think about this. They're they're free, but they're there. Nobody is gone. Everybody is accounted for because the glory of God has entered that place. They've impacted their lives. It's incredible. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? This is the point My comfort, your comfort, that's not the point. People getting saved, that's the point. May I suggest to you today that what you're going through is much bigger than you. You've been praying maybe for children to be saved or or, or other people to be saved, co-workers. And maybe it's necessary in some way that, that, that you go through something in order to be a witness, to give you a platform to share the gospel with those that need to hear. See, in, in Western culture, we're very individualistic. We see life through a very narrow lens. Other parts of the world are not like this. It's very community driven. But it's all about us and how does this affect me here in America? And see, Paul and Silas were concerned with that. If it takes them getting locked up and beaten, And humiliated for this 
to happen right here. The jailer getting saved. So be it. So be it. When we respond in the right way, it's going to work out for our good. But even better, God will be glorified and other people's lives are going to be impacted as well. They said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. What a turn of events. I mean, the jailer who was guarding them unjustly is now washing their wounds. And the Bible says here he was baptized at once, he and his whole family. And then he brought them up to the house and he set food before them. He's now feeding them. You see what happens when we just obey the word of God? How would our community change if we just applied these principles to what we're going through? You had a bad week at work. Your boss treated you unfairly. Bless him. Bless her. Turn around and and respond in a godly way. Don't go out to the other employees and complain and bellyache. I dare you to rise above those things and don't let your feelings dictate you any longer, but respond like the Bible says to respond and watch God work in a way like He's never worked in your life before. It's powerful. I want you to think, that this just hit me as I, I was studying this this week. Think about this. The response leads, yes, to an opportunity to share Christ with this jailer. The man and his household are saved, and this is great. The gospel then, as they're released, begins to spread throughout Macedonia, throughout Philippi. This is how the gospel gets into Europe, most scholars believe. Now think about that. We're part of this Western world. Could it be that this is the means that God used to allow us to be here today? Knowing the gospel, having a relationship with Jesus Christ? This is so much bigger than Paul and Silas. This is what started the gospel moving across Europe. And now here today, it's just continued to progress. Because of the faithfulness of this foundation that was laid So, again, I want you to kind of back up and realize that whatever you're going through right now, could it be that, man, God is wanting to do something incredible in your life? You remember Joseph. He he was sold into slavery, falsely accused of sexual misconduct and thrown into prison unjustly. And he didn't know what God was doing, but he trusted the Lord. And then became the prime minister of Egypt. Isn't that incredible? What could it be that God's up to in your life? And not just in your life, but your family, at your job, in our church, in our community. Maybe God's going to use this to turn something around in your life. I want you to be encouraged today to know that, that God has not forgotten you. When we respond in the right way, God is glorified and lives are changed. So let me ask you, do you treasure Jesus above all things? A good test is to see how you respond under pressure. If you're under pressure today, if it's been a rough week or this week, you're looking ahead and you just know it's going to be tough. You've got some things that you're not looking forward to. 
Can I encourage you today at the close of this service and all week to pray and to praise? Don't bellyache. Don't complain. Don't grumble. It won't won't get you anywhere. People are watching you. They're watching you. I I didn't realize this as as much until I, I worked several years ago for Ashland Oil. Battling this in oil change. I worked for their corporate office in Lexington. And I was part of kind of the help desk, computer support. We had cubicles in this big open space. And there was a gentleman sitting next to me by the name of Brian Crace. Brian was a nice guy, but man, he was far from the Lord. He would tell stories that uh, you wouldn't want to hear. Just, just a wild living guy, living it up. Young guy. And he and I would just work together by ourselves. We were the new guys, and we would work by ourselves together on the weekends. And uh, we had this big area just for ourselves, and calls were slow on, work was slow on Saturdays, and so I just began to sow seed. And just talk to him about the Lord. He knew as a pastor. And the whole time I was there, Brian never really acted interested in, in, in faith, never came to church one time, never never got to lead in prayer for salvation. I was a little bit discouraged. I mean, wouldn't this be great if this guy, he maybe one of the most farthest away from the Lord, if he would just come to faith, that'd be great. Revival might break out in our, our work. But it didn't happen. So I kind of forgot about Brian. And a couple years later, I'm sitting in my office in Tucson, Arizona, now miles away. And he found me online. He got my email address. And he just wrote me. He said, Chris, I don't remember the exact wording, but essentially it said, thank you for telling and showing me Jesus Christ. I want you to know I've given my heart to the Lord. I go to church every week. I moved out with my girlfriend. We're getting married. I'm serving the Lord. Thank you. And I realized that moment, oh, it's not just the church. People are watching me. We were at that time, my wife and I were going through extreme marital problems. They knew it. And he watched how I was fun. Would I just run and walk away? Or would I say, no, we can do this. I'm going to keep this covenant. And uh, God will fix her someday. (laughs) And he watched me do that. He, I remember him saying to me, why don't you just sleep? You're miserable, why don't you just sleep? I said, Brian, that's not what would honor God. I just want to do what God wants me to do. He watched God bring healing, start to bring healing to our marriage in those days. Just telling you people watching you. How are you responding? The prisoners are listening to them. And the prisoners, those who are bound up today by sin. They're watching you. Do you know that's why most people say they don't come to church? One of the greatest reasons they give is because you people are no different than us. You're as miserable as we are. You're as grumbling as we are. You're always mad about something. You're militant. It's not the heart of a real follower of Jesus. Let's let this church be different. Let's make a difference in our community. Let's 
Let's hold the banner high for Jesus Christ and represent Him well. I, I don't want Him. I don't want Jesus going like I was talking about earlier. Yeah, He's not only with us. I don't want Him to be, ashamed, you know, ashamed of me. I don't want to be ashamed of Him. I want to represent Him well. Don't you? I'm going to ask our praise team to come at this time. I want you to stand to your feet, and we're just going to close with a song here. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'd sure love to pray with you. If you're not a Christian today and you want to know how you can be saved, I'd love to pray with you. But listen, I'm looking around and I think most people in here are Christians. and Most people aren't here today. I don't know what they're doing. They thought, I guess they thought they were going to melt uh, walking out in the rain or something. But listen, if you're going through a tough season right now, I just want to challenge you to do something. I want you to just, as they lead us, praise Him like you've never praised Him before. I want you to praise Him like none other. I just want you to, to and not, I'm not talking about just getting emotional and trying to conjure something up. I mean, genuinely think and respond to the goodness of God that I just preached about. He is still good. He's still on the throne. He hasn't left you. He has not forgotten you. So instead of walking out in despondence, why don't you just respond with a smile and the joy of the Lord today and say, God, I don't understand it. I don't know how in the world you're going to get me out of this. Do, do like David. And he said he's delivered me from the lion and the bear, and I know he's going to help me today as well. Goliath is no match. All right? He's delivered you before, and he is a faithful God. So I want you to, I, I want you to, I'm going to pray, and I want you, if you want to join me at the front, if you want to stay where you're at, if you want to come up and pray, whatever the Holy Spirit needs you to do, man, let's, let's worship the Lord together. Amen? God, we love you, and we praise you for who you are.